I just want to welcome everybody here today. Um, I'm Asia Freeman, the Artistic Director of Benel Street Art Center. Benel is situated on the tribal lands of Nichiltana, the Nilchik village tribe. I want to say that for Benel, it's important to us to lean into and support indigenous-led practices and to learn and grow as an organization on this land that has been stewarded for thousands of years since time immemorial by the indigenous people of this area. Today, I'm speaking with artists from the Shared Universe Book Club, Nathan Schaefer, Melissa Shaganoff, Richard Perry, and Holly Nordlam. We're talking about cultural appropriation. And I'd like to begin by welcoming all of you, letting you know how very grateful we are for your time, for your expertise, and to ask you um, about what passion, what purpose really brings you to the conversation on cultural appropriation today. Could I start with you, Melissa? Yeah, thank you, Asia. Um, you know, uh, I think that uh, when talking about creating stories, you know, and imagining sort of, um, you know, indigenous, indigenous, uh, indigenous stories, that it's it's always important to to recognize kind of that cultural appropriation sort of, you know, moves within that space, you know, and that we have to understand that uh, that in order to, you know in order to to make sure that uh, people are able to tell their own stories that we that we aren't cultural appropriating that we aren't doing this in a way that um, is confusing the narrative because if we're talking about instances experiences uh, objects that are not from our own experience then we are subverting the narrative so the way shared universe you know approaches this idea is that well then we must you know write it in collaboration so yeah i would say from um from the perspective of of trying to do the right thing you know that's that's sort of the way uh shared universe operates thank you melissa and just moving around um nathan schaefer tell us some um, what brings you to this conversation obviously you have a really deep investment in this work and it's a unique one and really grateful for that work that you're doing in Alaska today and how you're doing it. Could you tell us um, a bit more about your passion and purpose in this? Um, well, that's a, 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 thank you. I have no idea how to answer that right now. So I'm going to just kind of talk a little bit about my thoughts on it. Um, so I'm a new media artist and I've been doing a lot of new media art in Alaska for like 10 years, 15 years since I've been back. Um, and I've been very interested in history and humanities. And, you know, a lot of my friends are just Alaskan people. And when we started um, making stories, it was one of those moments where we just, because of all the different conversations we've had about things, it was a good opportunity to to put those into practice for me instead of just talking about those things um so a, a lot of it did come from like conversations with holly initially uh, many many years ago I, it feels like a million years ago now but um <laughs> just uh i don't feel like i've answered that question all the way it, um when the opportunity presented itself to do collaborative storytelling and to to actually do work that um, that went right at I know we were talking about the word culture being weird, but going right at languages and people and ways of being and ways of thinking and ways of existing with each other and the intersections between all those things can be really scary for a lot of people that want to work in, in social practice and in interactive work. Um, so we, and as white people, we avoid them because we don't want to upset other people, but um, I don't know. It did it and I've, I found th this wasn't something I like planned on doing or did a lot of before, but once I started working with Richard and Demi and Melissa, 
regularly on stuff, I realized how just vastly rewarding and um, exciting uh, for me. It's a stupid word, but like um, almost therapeutic. It it brings a lot of happiness to me to to feel those connections with other people because that's all it's, it really is. It's where we're, we're doing things together for to make things better. <laughs> I don't know. It sounds so so silly to say it like that, but it's really when we all get together, those are the decisions we try to make with each other. And it just feels good. Thank you, Nathan. I, I definitely want to go back to that interesting point about the feeling that there's some healing work in this collaborative work. Um, but let's um, keep turning in this circle um, toward all of the participants here today. Um, Holly Nordlam, welcome. Hi. It's really cool to have you. Thanks. Thanks. I mean, that's perfect timing. Thank you for the healing conversation. Um, as someone who works with trying to heal Native people and um, uh, get over their traumas, you know, working one-on-one with the traditional tattooing that I do, um, I try to also do that with projects I'm working on. So I, I don't remember uh, our initial conversations, Nathan, but I'm sure they, they, they were um, advocating for uh, Native voices and, and how to work with Native people. And I think that, that even that conversation can be um, healing for Native people. Um, that somebody's interested in knowing how uh, we, we uh, indigenous people feel about projects and how, and getting someone to ask the questions and um, open their hearts and um, can be very healing. And um, I think that's what Nathan was getting at is that um, it's special and it, it makes you feel a part of a community and that's even healing. Um, yeah. So, you know, the, the word community is often used like so ubiquitously as if to imply that the people who live in a certain region or adjacency or proximity are a community, but it's, it's an, it's an action, isn't it? It's an effort that really takes a kind of um, investment with care and respect. And, and that, brings me to Richard. Welcome, Richard Perry. It's really wonderful to have you with us. I know that, um, you know, you are of Indigenous origin, but you were raised um, significantly away from Alaskan culture, and in your adulthood, you chose to come back and be a part of something that's learning and transformative, and I'd love for you to talk about what brings you to this conversation, you know, from your heart. Yeah, um, so as you said, you know, as a as an adult, I, I came to better understand my family and uh, the, the background with being Alaska Native. Uh, I'm Yupik and Wichinat the Baskin, and uh, you know these are things that I really only was able to say with any real knowledge was you know in my 30s, <laughs> and I, I moved here knowing so very little because it wasn't discussed in Kentucky where I grew up in any sense. Uh, there really are not a lot of native presence, uh, you know, there. And when I moved here, uh, that, that was a much different experience because you're surrounded by it in so many ways. Uh, you know, Anchorage is really kind of the biggest village there is in, in some, some ways of looking at it. And uh, the, the thing is looking for where I fit in, in my family and in the culture is something that's been kind of central to exploring my identity as, as an individual, as, as part of my family. And as a result, you know, to the greater extent to my, my past uh, as it relates to my native family and what that really means to me and, and how I plug into that. So it, it really was not only an emotional journey, but an intellectual one to kind of parse out well, what does this mean? What does that mean? So um, I've, I've spent a lot of time just thinking about these things. And frankly, 
talking with some uh, some of my friends, finding out how uh, how wrong some of my thinking was about uh, aspects of being Alaska Native. Uh, just as an example, um, uh, kind of a, a simile would be, I'm I'm a Kentuckian or I'm a Southern. Um, that doesn't really describe uh, all of my aspect of who I am as a person and and how I'm engaged with uh, you know my community, my family there. Um, and saying I'm Alaska Native is really kind of that same thing. It's such a large, encompassing, you know, kind of a concept. Um, I think it more appropriate, you know, to say that I'm Yupik, I'm I'm Quichinathabaskan. If we're talking about, you know, the native aspect, uh, and as specific as as those, I think is much more appropriate in certain instances than just saying all Alaska Native people or Alaska Native people. And that kind of phrase is is uh, so general it it doesn't uh, hold a lot of real meaning. I, I don't remember who said it, but a philosopher uh, that I read said something to the effect of the the more general a statement, the less useful it is. <laughs> so yeah, um, so you're, I hope that you're, the conversation. Absolutely, uh, everything that um, that is felt and shared here is is valued and, and is relevant. I mean, you all are deeply invested in this work and speaking from your hearts and your heads and I want to ask um I want to turn back to Melissa Shaganoff and um ask if you would to sort of help us understand um the the question of um cultural appropriation how could we begin and and in a sense sort of move around this circle to just begin by by exploring what is culture when we when we talk about cultural appropriation it might help to back up a minute and 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 especially because we don't want to as richard just suggested speak about culture in some kind of monolithic way like alaska natives generally what, what is culture can we speak about that in some sense that is um you know informative and specific um, and and respectful to, to help folks understand the importance of you know a conversation around cultural appropriation yeah you know I think that um, the, I mean that's that's sort of the question right it's and that's probably part of the reason why cultural appropriation happens so often, you know, particularly, you know, in storytelling in this way that um, that doesn't feel as uh, as as if it's harmful, right? Because we're taking parts of something that's pretty, um, it's pretty difficult to define, right? Because it can be so many things, you know, and people engage, you know, um, specifically with Alaska Native cultures in so many ways, you know, um, because in some, and I think that everyone's sort of like their own journey of identity and how to sort of bring their culture, you know, into their lives as far as, um, uh, well, actually, no, I take that back everything that I produce or I create is part of my culture. You know, the idea that, um, that somehow parts of what I do is, 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 is not cultural is, uh, is just not correct. Right. You know, indigenous people represent themselves and come from, you know, very, a very specific experience. Um, you know, so I would say that the kind of like the defining factor of like, what is culture is, you know, it is, it is people's individual experiences, you know, but, um, it is part of a collective one as well, you know? And so I think that as it kind of moves between, sort of that individual and collective there's this idea that there's parts of it that people can sort of absorb and and be part of or can uh you know represent um but unless you're from you know that specific you know collective experience uh then it's inappropriate you know i mean i guess to answer your question i would say that um you know when we talk about sort of from the cultural appropriation aspect you know culture is 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 anything that's coming from that collective experience of a group you know and and part of you know i think 
something that you can ask yourself when you're asking, am I culturally appropriating? You know, it's like, are you, are you, um, you know, cherry picking parts of uh, an, an experience um, because it's interesting to you or because it's, uh, it's something that you feel um, can add to whatever it is that you're doing um, without experiencing it? You know, and I think that that's that's really can be kind of like the sort of the rule of thumb question if it's not something that you have personally experienced, but from an outside perspective find interesting for whatever reason, like that's 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 kind of like that's that's the rule that's part of the rule of thumb you know if if you didn't experience it representing it in any way and story and art um is subverting its actual meaning because you're not coming from that sort of deep understanding um you know and i've also heard two people talk about how you know culture isn't owned by one person so when you when you're trying to do work that you know in some way has like a collaborative permission sort of aspect um you can't ask everybody who's part of that collective experience, you know. So in some ways, there's not really uh, there's not really a good way to go about, you know, involving, uh, you know, other cultures unless you're doing it specifically with people, you know. Um, it's it's incredibly layered, you know. And there's always kind of that discussion between appreciation and appropriation, and um, and I think that uh, that it's a very fine line to walk, and you have to you have to look at so many different aspects of, you know, well, if I'm appreciating this culture, does, am I also lifting it? And I'm, am I, am I gaining any sort of like equitable or, or uh, monetary or social capital, you know, by utilizing these things, you know, and I think that, um, that these are all sort of questions that you have to ask yourself, uh, you know, so I think when you're trying to even figure out like, <laughs> if if uh what is culture you know if it's something that's not um a part of your own experience uh it's really it's really difficult to integrate that into your um into your own uh work or writing um equitably mm, yeah that's that's not really answer to the question but that's a really hard question to answer <laughs> well that's that's kind of why we're trying to do this together right in a circle <laughs> Of, of experts, if you will. Um, Nathan, um, what do you feel is the responsibility of artists in, in the discussion of cultural appropriation? What is the responsibility of artists to, um, to prevent it and how can it happen in, in the right way? I'd love for you to speak about how you came into this work and how you found your way toward a collaborative process that engages so many cultural experts and artists. Okay. I was actually thinking about this. Um, but I think about a lot of things when I hear Melissa speak, she's just one of those people, like it, it, it gets your, your brain going in a lot of different ways. Um, one of the other groups that I've been like doing presentations and talks with right now, um, there's a lot of people, I'm not, not going to mention it, but it's, it, you know, a lot of famous people, let's say. Um, and th this is like a very big topic in that group, the idea of cultural appropriation and not just for uh, indigenous peoples, which is a big part of it, uh, but literally almost every uh, other group you could think of like how are trans people, how are uh, gay people, how are uh, any kind of people of color represented in it goes into this big mainstream media and even down into like indie movies you know independent books just um stories that five people are going to read in a literary journal out of michigan or whatever the, these are still really big issues uh in this group of people that i'm in uh one of the people that wanted to write about this group kept using this word groundbreaking or pioneering uh, approach towards dealing with culture that everybody's using. And um, I, I remember very distinctly uh, a, an older trans artist in the group like stopped this person very quickly and um, basically explained that the words pioneering, groundbreaking, innovative, all those things are, are words we kind of use is self-congratulatory words 
for, I mean, let's be frank here, for white male artists that start doing something that other people have been doing, sometimes for thousands of years. Um, and when a white person, especially a male, steps into that process, uh, they are very proud of themselves and they, you know, dump their chest a little bit and all of a sudden they've invented this this new way of being. Anyway, so this older artist just kind of stopped this journalist and said, um, nobody in this group is innovative. Nobody is groundbreaking. The only commonality that she saw when she looked at everybody was that people were just trying to do things appropriately and respectfully. And adding things like groundbreaking or pioneering or innovative to it really does cheapen the the whole process and and denigrates everything and it it creates these monocultures um and and just kind of uh assumes the things into it and one of the other things i thought about and this does go back to a conversation i had with holly a, a while back uh we also use the term diversity a lot in those contexts where uh, it's diverse, it's innovative, it's it's all, all these things. And a lot of times diversity, especially in our, where we live here in Alaska, diversity is a way of erasing or, or, or um, ignoring, let's say, the, the indigenous people in that area specifically. It's, it's a big issue in Anchorage. Uh, and it gets into be a much more complicated issue too, because North Anchorage is exceptionally diverse if we're talking about uh, ethnographics and the people and the languages that are that are there. So it's um it, it it's a really interesting conversation if we want to talk about it theoretically, but it's a really hard thing to live through. It is my personal thoughts on it. As a white man in this space, I feel the only thing that I'm allowed to do is enjoy my relationships with my collaborators uh, to learn to listen better and to how do I say it so I'm, I'm a loud person I get angry and, and things this is something I'm trying to temper with myself uh, when I was younger that little black flag anarchist kid in me would uh scream racism, sexism, homophobia really fast instead of trying to get people to change or to work on something. I would much rather label, name call, and, and, and fight. Um, but working with this group is, is um, I'd say for myself, helping me become more centered and patient and thoughtful and learning how to speak from my heart more. So, uh, I feel that's all I I can offer on that. As far as like the actual workings of everything, um, it, it, it's just, it's all the collaborative process that evolved naturally out of wanting to hear a bunch of people's thoughts on the same stuff. I mean, that's the, that's the joy of, um, that, for me, that's the joy of art is people that are not me. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not a native woman. I'm not a trans African-American man from Puerto Rico. I'm or just, I, or whatever, like all the different voices it is interesting to me. And, and when we can come up with systems that better help elevate all those voices, I feel things are richer. So inside the shared universe group, that's one of the things that we try to work on with each other is how we, I guess we raise each other's voices to do that. I feel like I yeah. might not have answered that question either. No, it's, you're getting at something that I think is really interesting in the discussion about cultural appropriation is, is kind of the, the double-edged sword. If we view it from the opposite end of the spectrum and argue that it's really important to write from within the confines of one's physical identity or social or societal branding, then we'd only know what we know and we would never be enlightened or curious. And so um, you're talking about an experience that does make you more porous and it doesn't happen 
by insisting on going about it from your own instincts. You've opened yourself to others. Holly, um, what do you feel like is the responsibility of the artist in, um, in the discussion of cultural appropriation? What are you thinking right now? <laughs> well, first, I, that's a great question. Um, and I, I, I um, talk a lot about what Nathan just mentioned, which is um, the focus on diversity being a form of erasure of indigenous people. <clears throat> because, um, you know, politicians always want to celebrate those things, um, diversity, but it, it, it's a way to, to take the focus away from the indigenous people and the issues that they're dealing with. Um, and it's frustrating for me. So when I hear diversity, I kind of cringe at it. Um, it's great to be a diverse community lots of voices that's great but you know um the native people of alaska specifically have been marginalized and oppressed so much um, and have lost so much and of course that's where my my heart and my my passion is 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 to um speak out about that them being oppressed uh, about us being oppressed and and marginalized but also um making sure that in this these discussions that we're recognized that we're not just <laughs> the other right um what was the saying with the this latest election we were just clumped in as something else right with them and um that's crazy to me that we're just being discounted completely from the conversation now you know, we're just something else. And uh, maybe our numbers aren't as high as other groups, but that we, people have lost sight that we're the original people of these lands. That's crazy to me. Um, so I was thinking about that. I was also thinking about uh, culture and, and, and what that is, it's people. Um, and then about appropriation with relationship to culture. And um, I think the, the, the scariest thing for me is when other people, outside people, take the place, uh, and this is appropriation, take the place of uh, an indigenous or, or person from that culture with their own interpretation, right? I, I think books, many, many books have been written uh, and, and toted as expert opinions, but you know they're from explorers, and those people weren't part of the culture. So you're not getting the whole story. You're getting what what they thought was exotic, what they thought was interesting. So you're not getting the whole story when you read it from an outside perspective. You're not getting a true understanding. And I think it's so important um, that we no longer are exotified but that we are complex complex uh, multi-layered people with issues like every other person and and not just the you know uh, the the stoic indian for instance or the happy eskimo you know i just said the e-word yeah you're speaking about <laughs> That, that whole, that tendency, especially the kind of racist American tendency to first of all classify by race and then sort of flatten people into these categories in terms of how they're understood and approached. Exactly. And that speaks right to appropriation, right? Because you're, and then it's easier to take from people who aren't complex like you are, right? Mm -hmm. Appropriation is mm -hmm. taking from those people. So, um, yeah, that's that American, and it's not just American. Um, in Greenland, they deal with it with the Danish, right? So you you've been doing many different art forms, but you've been doing tattoo for a while, and I'm sure it, you must be approached by people who are um, not indigenous about tattoos. And I'm really curious if they are asking you to 
to put, you know, um, customary tattoos on their bodies and, and how you handle, how do you maneuver these conversations? I, th I think I've become really good at um, calling out, like, what's the importance if I tattoo you with our markings? It's important to us and healing to us. But if I mark you with it, that it's not, it dilutes our healing, but also takes away from you as a person. Um, each of us come from a rich background. And if you go back far enough, most of us have tattooed traditions. So I asked them to go back and look at their own cultural identity, their own um, background to find out who they were. I mean, that's where the celebration in tattooing is for me, is finding out who the people are and let's celebrate that culture, you know, that uh, heritage. Yeah, yeah. Richard, one of the things that brings us to the conversation is the work that um, Shared Universe has done um, in writing about alternative histories of Alaska. The question on what is the value and purpose of writing alternative histories of Alaska and what responsibility does a person who operates from a distance have to a culture? Can you, can you tell us about um, your, you know, your work and concerns and relationship to this question and um, specifically starting with the value of writing alternative histories? I think one of the more interesting aspects as a storyteller and as a person who enjoys hearing stories, um, uh, you know, for speculative fiction or uh, talking about the future, is that it's a way to put on a veil and talk about things that are important to you, <laughs> uh, you know, now. Uh, it, it provides a step back to take yourself out of the equation, as it were, in today's context, and put a new light, a spotlight on a specific thing that uh, you'd like to, to bring up uh, as, as part of the narrative, if that makes sense. So, Absolutely. Uh, you know, what about what is it about the future that's so enticing? Well, it's it's not now, it's not the past. It is certainly connected in a lot of ways, but you're framing a, a an aspect of a story uh, that you want to tell and share. And what is it that you know? What's at the heart of it? And what do you want to discuss? Can can be both an intellectual and emotional pursuit, you know, in context to telling the story. And speak a bit about what you feel are the artist's responsibilities in asking questions and telling stories that might be outside of their experience, where they're imagining themselves or others. So I think, and, and this is very central to our group in a lot of ways, this discussion about um, getting it right uh, and what is it, right? Uh, so when, when I speak about uh, the story I'm sharing with the others, uh, there's certain aspects that I don't know a lot about uh, because I haven't experienced it. Uh, as an instance, you know, I asked Melissa, well, what would be the appropriate regalia, attire, that a person would have in this region? Um, you know, and, and we spoke about that at some length. Uh, and, you know, living in Anchorage provides me a context in a lot of ways, but it doesn't in in the interior it doesn't uh you know over in in the kuskokum river area where some of the stories happen so in context to the group and and how and what the artist's responsibility is i think i think it uh it's being fair it's it's telling a story that reflects reality um, and and being truthful <laughs> uh, that's something i think is important to me uh, and you know there's certainly ways to parse out what truthful is there's points of view there's you know big truth little truths and uh when we're telling a story having having an audience and and you know there's a weight of that responsibility to make sure that uh, if you're going to tell a story, that narrative 
about some something you know that's specific you want to get it right i'm sorry i'm feeling a little uh a little flustered on that yeah uh, it's a sensitive topic and and i really um respect that um you know all of you who've who are leading this conversation through the work that you're doing and the vulnerability that you know you place yourselves in because you're in a, a position of not just being a maker and responding to your own experience but also representing your cultures and um melissa i'd like if you would um to ask you to respond to that that kind of uh, multiple roles that that you all are playing um you know artists and individuals um at times being asked to to you know to be spokespeople it's a it's a it's a lot of it's a lot how do you feel about that yeah you know you know i also just want to acknowledge too that you know with with our with our group that's here you know holly richard and nathan you know today there's something about this conversation it feels heavy it feels like we're all kind of going through a lot right now and so i just want to recognize that um and just say thank you you know for everyone to share kind of where you're at you know because i think that in so many ways when we talk about cultural appropriation we we over intellectualize it right because we're trying to like sort of like make this sort of large like understanding and and make things sort of black and white as far as for as far as like what's right what's wrong um you know and then also having to address it in so many ways right and i think that um you know part of you know what holly was sharing that really that really was kind of getting to me is that um that there that there's this kind of like this it, it's 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 continuous and constant right you know this sort of being in this teaching space and talking about this and it's important and i think that like people like us do it you know people like shared universe always are addressing it because it is so important you know um because uh because it is uh a, a personal and emotional thing for people you know um to see yourself represented and misrepresented you know, to see things that, that you hope for yourself and for your community, opportunities, stories that you want to be told, to see them told without your permission or without your or without your um, collaboration. You know, that kind of thing is 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 really kind of a difficult pill to swallow, you know, and it's as simple as, um, you know, I think Teddy Mayak said it and there's an article you know that I, I was trying to like upload it to Google Drive because I know you can share Google Drives, but um, maybe I'll upload it to my website or something so people can access it. But uh, you know it was a very short article he wrote about um, you know and and the title was how it feels to have um, my culture stolen. You know and this is an elder. You know just talking about kind of the um, experience of seeing his songs that he'd written. You know be sort of like put into this sort of opera space. You know on the East Coast. And somebody sort of appropriating them from that direction you know and um and it's uh it's a big important a, like a very important tenant of alaska native cultures and of alaska and and i don't want to of course like say the monolith you know because it's it's not all cultures but i will say that for my culture and for the people that i know recognition is so important you know it's part of um indigenous ways of being you know to publicly recognize people in the work that they've done you do that because you want to be you know just in very basic terms you want to be in allegiance with each other so you can continue to survive continue to thrive you want to have good relationships with people you know and so i think cultural appropriation is is kind of doing that to sort of lift yourself up singularly this way you know and i've talked about this a lot where it's you know um it's not taking whatever powers and privileges you have and spreading them sideways amongst people who are shoulder to shoulder with you it's in a way that sort of to lift you up you know and you have to recognize um whether it's monetary capital or social capital that you're raising for yourself you know by misappropriating you know um cultures and or not or misrepresenting and appropriating cultures you know um i think that i uh, that you know the what holly was saying was just really resonating with me because you know it, it is kind of a an emotional um you know uh 
thing, you know, and it's, it's not an over-intellectualized thing. And it's not something for anyone who's not part of those cultures that are being used to disagree with. <laughs> um, and, and maybe that's a little bit of fighting words, but, um, you know, I, I get asked that constantly of being like, well, I'm appreciating, you know, I'm using my platform to sort of lift up your culture and bring it to the world. Um, and, and that, and, okay, that's, that's what you think you're doing, but what you're doing from the perspective of the culture of which you're rep, you're trying to represent is that you're confusing the narrative. So when we are doing the same thing, when we are out in the world telling our stories, nobody believes us because it's not what they've already been listening to. You know, it's this perpetuation of stereotype. It's a perpetuation of sort of this monolithic culture of Alaska native people and it's Western romanticism. And, um, we don't need it <laughs> anymore. And uh, I think that, you know, the, what, what everyone has sort of touched upon and getting to, you know, um, is, is that it is a, a lot of labor to go through this and to discuss it. And there are so many resources and so many guides out there that if you're, if you're moving through and creating work um, that you're worried of that is, you know, bordering on appropriation um, that you can, that you can find. You know, and, you know, I'll certainly make myself available to anybody, you know, at least on this call who wants to talk about that. Um, and, I, and I volunteer that labor because uh, I acknowledge the power and privilege I have, you know, to represent, you know, Atna people at the moment. But I am not the only Atna person. So that doesn't mean that whatever I say or whatever you collaborate with me represents Atna culture. You know, and so you have to understand that it's much more nuanced in that. Um, you know, I, I also think too that uh, that you know, like 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 Nathan said that you know, appropriation isn't just happening. You know, with indigenous cultures, it happens across the world, you know, so much, you know, particularly with, uh, you know, you know, Western imperialism that's happened in, in, in here in capitalism. Um, but uh, I will say that we are all living in Alaska, or at least some of us that are on the call, or, you know, specifically the Shared Universe Book Club is, is speaking from Alaskan story, stories. So you have to ask yourself and challenge yourself to say, Am I trying to absorb and, and pick the lowest hanging fruit, you know, um, because so many people who are not from this place or are not indigenous, you know, can see the parts of our culture that is visible. But you have to remember, too, that we are living within a system that only allows certain parts of our culture to be visible. They allow our art to be visible. They allow our music to be, be visible. You know, th those are the things that are visible and been um, sort of accepted into sort of Western systems. You know, and you have to understand that if that's the only thing that you are seeing, if that's only visibility that's available to you, you're not allowed to consume it. Not everything is for West, for, for white consumption, you know, and, and I have to include myself in that too. You know, I am multiracial, but I'm also, you know, somebody who's been urbanized and is consistently learning. So you always have to be checking yourself. It doesn't matter really who you are, you know, and so you have to understand that, um, you know, that, that culture is, I mean, it's maybe some of you who are in education have seen this, this infographic, which is culture is, a, is an iceberg, meaning that you have like the lowest hanging fruit on the top, the beautiful things that everybody wants to consume and sort of cherry pick and represent and show on the top. But below that is deep understanding, connection, relationship, you know, and if you want to be, you know, someone in good relationship with people in good collaborations, that means that you have to take that deep dive and do the work. Because if you did the work to be in deep relationship with Holly, with Richard, with myself, um, then, then we would be having like a very, uh, a very sort of um, equitable exchange like we have with, with Nathan. You know, it's about telling our stories in a circle, not just one person raising himself. Um, sorry, I just needed to get it out. <laughs> it was beautiful. I'm so, glad, I'm so glad that you did. Thank you. Thank you. Nathan, what are you thinking? Um, well, I'm, so I'm, again, this is Melissa. Every, every time she talks, like I got a million things I want to say. Um, and she's 
Exactly right. It it does feel exceptionally heavy today. Um, it's a heavy topic, and it's a hard topic. Uh, it is an emotional topic, and um, everybody's doing really good keeping their emotions in check today, which I also want to acknowledge. Uh, but I think Melissa was starting to get at one of the things that's not heavy about this. In fact, it's the opposite of heavy. It's the most light, beautiful, wonderful thing that happens when you actually do this hard work with other people. Uh, so to set it up, uh, a, a lot of Alaska gets put into media and you see it and you, you start watching it and it's Northern exposure. And you're like, I don't know a single one of these people. I don't understand why they're acting like this. It's a missed opportunity to actually have good representation that feels good. Um, and we got this when we did the, the Comic-Con in Fairbanks, Demi, was with us when we were working that booth and uh, Alaskan folks were coming through and reading the comic books. Um, and then the conversations we started having where everybody's just kind of got a built-in apprehension, like they kind of know the representation is gonna be wrong. Most of it like severely wrong. And so they're hoping that it doesn't read racist and is just like passable. Um, but, uh, and if I start cussing, I apologize. There's, there was tears in Fairbanks some of those times because the representation uh, was, was for kids and kids had, um, for lack of a better term, positive, respectful representation of languages and cultures. And that became the conversation is like, how come this can't happen more often? Um, and a lot of this came out when we were also talking with um, Rochelle and Dewey, uh, Molly of Denali is a very similar thing where they work exceptionally hard to make sure, I'm, and I'm talking like the colors of the sky are reflected. I, I mean, these are people that can tell you the difference between different like uh, native accents from villages. Like they, they put very, very hard specific work down. And the end result is you actually have a superior art piece. It's just way better than anything else if, if you didn't do the work. And so I'm a little confused why somebody would actually want to get through it so fast without that deep dive, like Melissa's saying, because at the end, it's just not gonna be that good. Mm -hmm. uh, Holly's tattoo work is some of the best artwork going on, on in the fucking planet right now. Be no, I'm, and I'm not saying, I'm just saying, because a lot of it's not open for everybody to know about. It's, it's a space that knows what it is. And I, I mean, I'll, I'll say I appreciate it, but I actually just really love that project. I think it's wonderful. I think Molly Denali is wonderful. I'm, I'm not gonna write an episode of Molly Denali. I'm not gonna go get tattoos, but that space is vital, quintessential and magical. And it should be talked about in those terms. So the, the non-heavy part of this, I think I got kind of sidetracked. The, the shared universe group really does try to keep kids in Alaska is the, the first audience. Like who's, who's looking at this and why are they looking at it? And when you keep that and don't overcomplicate that, <laughs> it just makes everything better and you're willing to do the hard work because all of us want to work hard for kids. None of us want to do a, a half-assed job for kids. Um, so that's my, that, that was what I thought of when, when Melissa was talking. I also want to say too, that there's a way forward as well, you know, because I do think that, you know, many artists in Alaska who are still like making, still creating have like fallen, you know, into, into maybe appropriation sort of waters. Right. But, but I, you know, I, I just want to, you know, recognize too, that like, if, 
to not over intellectualize um, kind of like this right or wrong, you know, nobody's, you know, to use use the millennial term canceling anybody, right? This is all about kind of like this sort of growth and how do we learn, um, you know, to be in better relationship with each other? Because when we learn that, then we're actually embodying um, something that's so uh, connected to the land in Alaska being in relationship with each other is just is just as important as being in relationship with the land the waters the animals and stewarding a place you know that's truly like an indigenous value and that's something that um of course we always need to give credit and and power back to indigenous people for sharing with us but it's something that we all can um we all can appreciate and embody in the work that we do if our first goal is to be in good relationship with each other, then we're going to be, you know, be doing those deeper dives and cultural appropriation is going to, be going to become less and less of an experience that we see, you know, and I say it's an experience because when Holly, Richard, I see cultural appropriation happening, it's a hurtful experience. So I think when people try to sort of downgrade having an emotional reaction to those things or it feels uh it, it just feels like another hurt you know so it's like how do we how do we um how can we move through that and learn you know uh you know and, and again there's there's lots of resources you know and i you know i'm happy to to help direct and share with people those things but you know this is not to this is just to say that um that there's like a way forward and that like i don't know Maybe I'm an optimist, but change is completely possible in these things. We make mistakes, and uh, but that's like the act of decolonization is like undoing these things and creating spaces where we can where we can live today in equity. Yeah, um, I want to acknowledge that we have you know many um, really um, thoughtful listeners, um, artists, and thinkers that have joined this conversation. Um, perhaps mostly just to listen. But Petra Olesetsky raised a, a wonderful question. I, at least I, it resonates a lot for me in terms of how important is it to, to learn language? What opportunity might we have if children across Alaska were learning um, local indigenous languages in school to start to build um, more um, understanding in some of the things that you spoke of as not being available for consumption at the surface. What, what um, could language learning offer? I think I'll just chime in. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, as an Inuit person, an indigenous person of Alaska, obviously, even me learning language is hard to come by and um, you have to work at it because it's not offered, it's not part of a curriculum, it's not even part of the system, right? Um, in, in standard school practice. So um, obviously that, that would be a dream is that our children um, are learning their language, but um, that puts a lot of uh, emphasis on one aspect as Melissa was saying, you know, there's a whole bunch more to learn about culture and, and where each child comes from. Um, and that also puts a lot of pressure on the parents as a native parent, how, how much you can give your child. And how, I mean, most of us are raised by people who are raised by boarding schools. So do do we even have that background where do we find that background where how can we access it so that's a huge question and of course that would be lovely but it isn't realistic in the biggest native village in alaska which is anchorage you know mm -hmm. and the school district i mean there's one school yeah but what about all the other kids you know what about mm -hmm. junior high and high school and there's no sustainable, there's nothing right now that is full on. So mm -hmm. that isn't even an option to us. And obviously it'd be nice, but it, it isn't happening. I think, yeah, it's a long road, right, Holly, to like mm -hmm. see that. Um, 
I think that the integration of language, you know, into sort of like the into our into our communities is is so important, you know, or really a reintegrating, um, you know, and, 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 you know, I think that there's like so much knowledge to learn and stuff. I would say that um, from from like the perspective of like my tribe and my so whenever I do any sort of teachings, like I always kind of like run through whatever I'll be going whatever I'll be doing with them with my council. And to make sure that I'm not, you know, um, overstepping or sharing something I shouldn't share. And that's something that's always like they want to see. They're like, oh, I wish, you know, because in Chickaloon, you know, it's it's right above like Sutton and Palmer, right? You know, they that's where I'm from. They they always say that, oh, it's like I wish I would we'd see language more. We wish we would see language on our signs and all these things. We wish people would try to do the work to learn language, right? And I think that that's that that's kind of like part of that process of change. Um, you know, I I would say that like seeing people learn language. That would be amazing because not only are you learning another language or learning about that culture, you're also like learning about the most like effective technology on, you know, in Alaska, you know, our languages are so perfectly attuned to the land and every place that you're within, you know, um, people in the from the arctic regions could communicate you know um the the slushy ice that you 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 can walk on you know when you're walrus hunting that whole phrase in a single word you know and that's like how their language is designed to be so efficient and so in tuned with the land you know it's like language you know um is so perfectly designed uh for each place that that you know that it lives in the region and what an amazing tool for our entire community if everyone learned language, if everyone learned the indigenous language. Nathan, um, you you had a comment that in response to these uh, these points that Melissa's making, what, what what is it that you might share? That was in response to Leo talking about music. I've, I've heard cultural appropriation discussion. If we want to keep it on on like the region we're in um it, inuit throat singing is a very traditional uh deep deep cultural thing that that happens in inuit communities um and i've definitely seen some european people do that and um it, the same sort of thing happens like uh if if a native person expresses concern that this is going on, that it's cultural appropriation, they get minimized and um, just ignored, usually is the easiest way, especially in a European context, like uh, just ignoring it and it'll go away. But it, it doesn't change the fact. Um, and I mean, I would say that if we're talking cultural appropriation, rock and roll music, stealing from um, black musicians it is a pretty deep history uh, I, but I, I think it's just it's a it's a part of um, Western society, especially uh, that that colonial impulse that's still very present in everything. I, I do see cracks in that where things are starting to change and move. I would like to see in Alaska where every child is expected to learn the indigenous language of the area they're in and to have like a working knowledge on on that culture um but i think it was melissa just said it's a it's a long road right now um but i think <laughs> everybody in the fight right now is is we would prefer a shorter road but we're going to keep fighting even if it's a long road even if it's five generations from now that's that's part of being a good a good ancestor and a good um steward a good teacher um so thank you thank you for <laughs> raising that that point and and for the work that you're doing you started out um you know speaking in this conversation today about um the kind of um opportunities that this work um, offers in terms of a gift. And I, I, I just want to say that, you know, among the gifts that you're giving um, all of you 
is you know your accessibility to a conversation like this in which all of us have have so much to learn there are um questions that have been coming up in in the chat and i just wanted to invite um folks who've joined us like leo if you'd like to unmute and just share your question i would appreciate that thank you um yes when i asked why music doesn't seem to have this problem i didn't mean that it uh, music didn't borrow or steal across culture. It's just, it's happened so many times, and maybe there's a problem with the Inuit. I did, was unaware of that, but they don't seem to have a problem with appropriation. I just got done watching uh, Ken Burns's jazz series and uh, looking at all of the music that was borrowed, integrated, whatever, into jazz. There never seemed to be any issue about whether the music was stolen from Zydeco or uh, any of that kind of thing. So that's what I meant when I said it doesn't seem to have this problem that uh, somehow in music, when music crosses cultural boundaries, it's always viewed as a, as a good thing, as a mixing, as a constructive thing. I don't, I don't think historically that that can um, be defended as truth, though, that monolithically that 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 borrowing is always healthy or fair, that, you know, there was a tremendous um, amount of taking that happened. And we could take the Rolling Stones, for example, and all the, the music that that they took from, you know, a black experience. Jazz is, is interesting because it's a new form. I'm curious to know, you know, it's a form that happened in an intersectional um, space. I'm curious to hear what responses some of our featured guests have on this thought. Does anybody want to take that one up? It's very, it's, it's a very, it's a very uh, um, difficult question to answer, right? You know, because also we're not talking specifically about the genre, you know, but I will say that, um, you know, and, and not to like, uh, you know, Ken Burns is telling a story from a very specific perspective as well, you know, and like, so yeah, I think that there's, 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 there's room to, there's room to be critical of these things and these representations, you know, and just, I think that it's just always, I think it's just always okay for us to be looking at kind of what we're doing in our culture, you know, our modern culture, our, our collective sort of experience of being artists and creative people, um, it is really difficult for people to uh, accept correction and and listen to criticism, you know, and I think that because it's always sort of this idea that like, oh, this person's slapping their hand because they did something wrong, you know, in some cases it is, but I will say that, um, you know, in order for, for us to like keep moving forward is that we have to be open to that, you know, and open that like if we are if we are working within these sort of like nuanced spaces of of music making of storytelling, you know, um, you know, and we're we're either peripherally being influenced or even directly collaborating with a, a, a person or a group of people from a specific culture about that culture, you know, that there is definitely room for mistakes. And that, so if we if we acknowledge that we can make a mistake then we have to acknowledge that we need to be able to listen to that criticism and how it is that we we um take the next right step and change in the future you know i mean that's that's just like where we have to where we have to land because i think that um otherwise then you know i art might be really boring <laughs> You know, if we're not kind of like living in that space that we can grow and take those risks to to do those things. Um, but but I mean, we this is a topic, you know, and this is like, a you know, we have so we have so many people listening on the call and stuff that, you know, have been on other calls and, and, and such. But, you know, we bring this up because it's because it's important, important, you know, and that because it uh, it needs to be given specific attention, you know, and things that, you know, um, you know that need to be given specific intention then then we also need to be willing to grow within them and grow within um you know this this uh you know this question you know and um 
now I'm kind of like trailing off, but, <laughs> but I, I will say that if we, if we kind of like live in that idea that, um, you know, if we're going to be collaborating, if we're going to be, you know, working with people from specific cultures to represent their experiences, we have to also recognize that, um, that this is a, a, a complex and nuanced story being told, right? Just that interaction, just that collaboration. Our, our collaboration with Shared Universe is an incredibly complex, nuanced story being told, you know, and um, because we're trying to tell stories that reach, that reach uh, so many people, right? And we're just trying to do our best. And the way we're approaching it is that we're expanding where that story is coming from. It's not coming from one person. It's coming from more people. And this is just one strategy of how to do it the right, of how to do it, what we consider the right way, you know. But, of course, we're going to have young eyes on us looking at what we're doing and say, wait a minute, they could do that better. Wait a minute. I mean, Nathan does every day. <laughs> you know, Nathan writes uh, while he's teaching and amongst young people. And I think that it's such a, it's probably one of the reasons he's such a great artist is because of that. You know, it's because of that um, um, sort of unfeathered <laughs> un, un, uh, um, <laughs> criticism coming from young people. So I don't know. I think that, 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 I think some of the issues actually about uh, positions of equity or authority and uh, this, you know if you're melding music together from two equal cultures acculturation isn't an issue uh, assimilation of, of a music and taking it and mutating it into something that it's not is a completely different thing so it's I think about a position of equity uh, you know when it concerns uh, sharing uh, you know, and, and growing as an artist. Honestly, I think it would be well. interesting to have some Alaskan musicians talk specifically to this. The, the Blanchard brothers, I, th oh. are, I think, immediately would have a lot of things to say. Um, but maybe that's a discussion for another time, Asia. It sounds like a great idea. Thank you. Well, we'll I'll uh, make note of that. I'd love to speak with those guys on the topic. It's been really great to speak with you all on this topic. I want to thank you so much for your work and for your time and the care that you invest in helping people to understand um, the role of being a better audience and supporter is to bring questions and nuanced ones, you know, to the reading and the dialogue that we have as cultural consumers. Thanks so much, everybody. Take care. We'll be back in two weeks with Dasha Kelly. She's the Poet Laureate of Wisconsin, who's now spending quite a lot of time in Anchorage. And um, she's going to you know, be exploring the impacts of that migration and her work as a Black American poet. Thank you so much, everybody.